So I think insecurity is the realization that you're humming at the wrong frequency. That makes that makes sense. It means you're trying to hum at a frequency. You're trying to sing a song that is your song and what you are you what you want your song to be, right? Or your note, whatever the note is you're supposed to hold. That's what you want. You're like, I'm an A. I'm an A, I'm like a sharp A, I'm a high A, that's who I wanna be. Maybe that's your identity as um, a skilled musician. You're like, I'm a, I'm an, I'm like an indie rock guy. I play guitar in a band, I sing, and I wanna be respected as a guy that is good at music and has good taste in music and is in a band that is good. If that makes sense, if that's, uh, of course it makes, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. I think I explained it as well as I can. Or if you're a ladies man, if you're like, I'm a ladies man, I hook up with loads of chicks. Or if you're a woman, you're like, I'm a beautiful woman. I'm exceptionally attractive. That's my identity. That's how I see myself, you know? Can be any sort of example. Maybe you see yourself as a businessman or a professional you're on LinkedIn and you're posting about your management experiences or some sort of high lofty idea of of what you can do and the value you provide to a business maybe that's how you that's that's the way you think you hum that's your a sharp whatever it is you're like and then something in your life challenges you something in your life makes you realize because you're doing well Everything's hunky-dory, everything's fine. You're like, I'm in a band, this band is good, it's an indie rock band that I'm, people like it, and uh, the people that don't like it don't understand it. But then you start, you get older, and maybe the band's not as successful, maybe you can't live the lifestyle that you wanna live because the band isn't making money. You know, band's gotta make money, gotta, uh, gotta pay the bills and you're dissatisfied you're like i want a certain life i want to be respected but you have to come to the realization that you're humming the wrong frequency who you are and who you're meant to be i believe everyone has a purpose everyone has a passion and not like some sort of purpose in the grand scheme like they have a role to fill in the destiny of the world but you you have a purpose you have a higher purpose that is some sort of culmination of your skill sets, your past experiences, your life, and it will just feel right. You will vibrate at the right frequency and it will bring you peace. So life's a journey figuring out what that humming frequency is. So don't waste your time once you realize you're humming at the wrong frequency. Don't try to force it. If you're a stand-up comedian, you've been doing stand-up for 12 years, and uh, maybe it doesn't feel right because maybe you're doing stand-up for 12 years, you're not successful, but you're still, you still think, this is it though. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I believe I'm humming the right frequency. I am positive. And people may say, well, you're, you suck. Your life is meaningless because you haven't achieved anything and uh, you should have done something else. My friend Joel and I were talking about this. That person could wouldn't get worked up, wouldn't get emotional, but they'd say, "Hey, I'm I'm humming the right frequency here, though. I'm at peace with myself and my life. You will not find me complaining to my friends and family about my situation, about my lack of opportunities. I feel good. I feel like I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do. And if I die, 
never having got some commercial success as a stand-up, that's fine. I'm humming the right frequency and that's all I need. So if you're doing something with the idea of a certain outcome that you'll either get approved of or you'll get be financially successful and then you don't get those things, you will be disappointed. But if you're humming the right frequency and you're enjoying the path, you're enjoying the journey, if you've read The Alchemist, that's what it's about. Well, it's about a lot of things, but the main idea being it's about the journey, not the destination, which only will make sense until it makes sense. Everything's like a trite saying until you get it. Because there are so many things that I've heard and I've listened to and I, I, oh yeah, you hear this thing, you hear that thing, even things from the Bible where I didn't understand them. I understood them like as a larger concept, like abstractly, but when I felt them, I, I got it. And I was like, I needed to do that. I needed to have those experiences because nobody can give you advice and you learn from the advice. You have to make mistakes tons of times until you say, you, I'm saying me. I've had to learn mistakes over and over and over again because I'm an idiot. And I'm not saying I'm an idiot, like being self-deprecating. It's just because we're all idiots. And eventually you say, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to go through these same patterns anymore. What can I do? What can I do to change? I'll do anything. I'll do, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the same pattern again. I'll do a different, more fucked up pattern just to not do the same pattern again. Because I know where that pattern ends. You know? So... I think that I think you just have to constantly be learning and not forcing anything and not lying to yourself. When you're humming the wrong frequency, it's okay to give up on your life. It could be even being like a parent. You can say, oh, I didn't want to do this. I do have a responsibility. I do have to fulfill. I do have to take care of this person. But I can admit to the fact that I shouldn't have done this. This was a bad idea. I got into this for the wrong reasons because I liked the idea of me being a father. But that was all. The actual practice of being a father day in and day out is not for me. You can say that and you can be like, I do have responsibility to my family, but I think it's okay to admit something like that. Even as something as uh, hard to take back as being a parent. But... That's what I've realized. There are so many different things, so many different identities I've had in my life that I've seen myself as this thing, to hum at this frequency. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. Well, this is actually a great example. It's a great anecdote because my brother and I, remember we were talking, we were in a pool. We went on a family vacation between my freshman year of college in my sophomore year of college, my brother's sophomore in June, doesn't really matter. But we were talking in a pool. We both talk about this all the time. We realized that we didn't have to play soccer anymore. We both played on the soccer team. And we were kind of discussing it in our woes and our... Just, we were just disgruntled or like un, unhappy. And we kind of both came to the conclusion the same, at the same time that we didn't have to play. The stakes weren't that high. It wasn't gonna affect our lives that much if we just didn't play. And we talk about the sense of peace we had. Once we even entertained, we started entertaining the idea of us not being soccer players anymore. 
Because believe it or not, there was one a time in my life where I thought I might be a professional soccer player, even though I was nowhere near the trajectory I would have had to be on when I was having those thoughts. doesn't really matter. I still thought it, so for the sake of what I'm talking about, I had that idea of that's who I was. I was a soccer player. But once we came to that conclusion that we were humming at the wrong frequency and we maybe have a, uh, we had a realization that it was kind of freeing. You're like, oh, this is scary. Granted, I was, you know, I did have another identity. I mean, I was good. I was a guitar player. I was in a band, but that was another one. I remember having the realization. I'm like, okay, well, this doesn't work. Being in a band, it, but it was all learning experiences because I definitely had these fantasies of what it would be like if we were a successful band. Wow, I'm realizing now. I mean, I did music production. I did stand up. I've done, I've directed stuff, and all these ideas were things that I was like, oh, well, I'll try this thing, I'll try this thing, I'll try this thing. And I just came to the conclusion that I'm humming at the wrong frequency constantly. And I did have a depressive episode at the beginning of the lockdown. And it was the, I think I just had so many realizations that I was humming at the wrong frequency, and I also felt like a loser. I wasn't, the things in my life that I was getting my self-esteem and value from weren't there anymore, but I had a colossal, like, mental breakdown one night, and I've never experienced anything like that before, but I also don't think I've ever came back from it um, entirely. I have, I'm definitely, like, good up and down, but, like, a clear sense of this is the next thing, this is the next frequency in which I hum and I pursue and I can, I think a lot of it is entertaining ideas of what the future is going to look like for me and the potential success in whatever capacity I'm imagining. You know, if I did direct a movie, if I entered in a film festival, that was something I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, I just got really discouraged at that point in my life. So I've... Uh, had to come to that realization and it's been difficult and I'm trying to be a little more open-minded to what my hum and my frequency might be and I'm in tune and I'm not trying to force anything but it's very difficult so but I would encourage anyone I think there was an episode of girls where I forget the guy's name he's a uh, uh, Lena Dunham's Joshua, Joshua, he has a moment where he's like talking about, he wanted to be a dancer, he wanted to be on Broadway, and he had a moment where he realized like that just wasn't gonna be his his like destiny, that wasn't gonna be who he was, and she asks him like, well what, how did that feel, were you like depressed, and he's like, felt great. And I was like, yeah, it does feel great. It does feel great when you shed that expectation on yourself where you realize you're like, whatever that thing was gonna be, whatever that, it's really not even what that thing is gonna be, but it's more of an idea of what your future is gonna look like. And it's the thing you're excited for your future to be. It goes away because eventually you delude yourself. You're like, okay, I'm on my path, I'm on my path, and in a few years I'll be this way. Then you hit 31 and you think, it didn't happen. It didn't happen at least the way I thought it was gonna happen, and reckoning with that is hard, but there are times where it can be it can be hard, it can be exciting. If you know what the next goal is, it's very exciting, because it's so hopeful. It's so hopeful, but if you don't know what the next goal is, it can be very truly devastating and depressing and hard to come back from. So, 
Yeah, figure out what your hum is. Figure out what your frequency is, because you'll know. Even when you have little moments, write them down. What are you enjoying? What do you look forward to and what do you miss? I think that's incredibly important. If you find yourself like, man, I miss this thing, whether it was um, hanging out after an improv class at this one specific bar, where it was happy hour all the time for Second City students, that's a... Uh, that's something I really look back on. I remember waking up on Sundays, kind of having my schedule, going to improv, and you know, I think I'd watch football in the morning. I really enjoyed that, and I had a lot of hope. I had a lot of hope there, but I'd still have moments. Like, I mean, I know I like going to this coffee shop after I surf in the morning. It's hard to get out and surf in the morning. Like, going, like waking up early, it's fine, but you get in the car and you know you're going to be cold while you're changing into your wetsuit. It's kind of daunting. And I've felt this when I'm approaching the parking lot. I can feel myself get, like, negative and be like, oh, like, it's because that part's not fun once you're in the water. It's awesome. It's really great. And also having done it, having surfed, being like, damn, my neck, my back, my pussy, my crack, everything hurts. Everything's, like, sore, but in a good way and I'm gonna get my coffee from Succulent Coffee Roasters is great, because you're cold, and uh, it's peaceful. You're out there by yourself, but every, people, other people are there. You can say hi, talk about the waves. It feels good. That's something that I look forward to in my life now. Um, and write those things down. Figure out, you're like, ooh, I do like this specific thing. I do like this activity. So, I look back at places I've lived and and I think about the parts that I liked, what I miss. And then also, alternatively, the things you're like, man, I'm really excited to do this thing. I really need this thing in my life because I'm excited about it. Because it's important to think about those things, do those things, but also think about what, what is that? What is that making? Why am I excited? What, like, getting as granular as possible and figuring out what is it about this that really makes me feel good. I know for me, a lot of it is freedom and lack of expectations. And that's what I've really appreciated in my life, especially when my life was a lot less complicated. I can look back and say, my freedom of my weekend um, to do what I would like to do. And uh, ex exploration, I think, is really cool because with expectations and especially social expectations. If you have people in your life that you really don't enjoy spending time with or activities that you don't really necessarily enjoy but you're a little bit afraid of being alone or not having a social group or being seen as a loser, something like that, but you have people in your life where you think, I guess this is something to do. I don't think that's doing you any favors. I really don't. I think you should just kind of cut them out. I think it's better to just feel that kind of a little bit empty, you know, and be by yourself and get comfortable with that. But when you find those people or that activity where you think, I look forward to it, it's a major part of my life, hold on to that. But also don't be afraid to let go of it, you know, if it becomes not that way. So figure out those things that make you hum, that frequency that you rattle at. That's what I call it, it's like rattling at a certain frequency. And when you are hitting that frequency, when you are rattling, You'll know, because you'll feel peace. I think that's what it is. I think it's, uh, that's what ultimately you're searching for, right? Do you want money? Or do you think maybe, like, your idea of money 
is the uh, how you're going to achieve peace, right? So is it ultimately, oh, I think I want money. In reality, you really want peace. So you might chase the money and find yourself where you're not peaceful at all and you think, damn, what is this all about? I can't get the money. When all you really wanted was peace, but you find yourself chasing money because that's what peace looks like to you, it's dangerous. So understand what peace actually is and what it looks like. Or people chase money for approval, right? where money feels like success. You're like, I can finally get everyone to respect me if I make enough money, because that's what it's about. I can drive a Tesla. Once I get a Tesla, people see me in a Tesla, they'll respect me. You buy a Tesla, they don't respect you. You think, what the fuck was that all about? I was supposed to be respected. I got the Tesla and I didn't get it. So figure out how you're gonna feel respected. How are you gonna respect yourself? And how are you going to not care if people do disrespect you? Just cut those people out. You don't need to just be like, eh, they don't respect me. Their ideas of what a person who should be respected don't line up with mine. So be careful what you're chasing. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. People chase money so much. Once they get it, they realize it was uh it was a mirage. It was some. <clears throat> it was something that they thought would give them the love, the respect, and the peace they thought it was going to give them, but it didn't. And then now they don't really know what to pursue. I don't know. So they use a coping mechanism. Drugs, great coping mechanism until you die of them. Uh, okay. Uh, I am. I am the X Y Z. I make the magic. I am the only one who can operate my machine. So I am the XYZ, XYZ meaning I am my thing. I, whatever it is to you, I know my thing. I am the XYZ. This is my machine. Your XYZ is your machine. It's the machine that you operate. It's specifically yours. And I believe your life is a long journey in creating your machine. You shouldn't be accumulating wealth. There's no real sense in accumulating wealth. I mean, to some degree there is, there's a little bit of security, but it's not the main goal. It's to improve your machine, your machine being your skill set, your experiences that line up to make your thing, the thing that you do, the thing that you do best that the world needs and people ask for of you, okay? It's your machine. That's your machine. So it's, I make the magic. I can operate my machine. You want to sit on my machine? You want to sit on this machine? Sit on it. Put your hands in it. Whatever the fuck your machine looks like. Sit down. I make the magic. You can't operate my machine. You can't. I am the only one that can operate my machine. Yeah, you've maybe seen other machines that look like my machine. So you think, oh, I can operate that machine. I can operate that machine. I don't need that guy because I know a guy that operates a machine that looks a lot like his machine. You're the only one. You're like, okay, well sit down. You might know, you might be able to do a couple of things with my machine, but I am the best at operating my machine. And that's what I've realized. You are a product of everything you've ever done. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not getting better every day, it's gonna be a slog, okay? If you're complaining, you know, if you're making an excuse, if there's some reason you can't work on the machine today, and this isn't like a get up, make a bunch of money, grind thing. I don't care if you make money or not, but are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are you distracted 
from the uh, reality that you're gonna die by your purpose, because that's what you need to do. And the better you get at your machine, the more you're gonna wanna work on the machine, because people are gonna notice. You're gonna show people what you got, whatever that is. Show people what you got, impress people. That's, I think that's important. With real, with not your own ego, but to be like the work I put in, what I did with my machine, try, try. Try to do that. I dare you. Try to rip off what I do with my machine. I bet you can't. I bet you can't do it. So figure out what it is. What, what are you making? What are you creating? What are you putting in the world that no one else can? Because there is a thing. Make that thing good. I dare you. Okay? So you are, you are, you are the XYZ. You are the machine operator. So keep that in mind. You have a machine. Work on it. Make it better. You make the magic with your machine. That magic may suck if you never work on your machine. So you make the magic. You are the only one that can operate your machine. Um, okay, the fear of... Oh, I have this. So I've realized... I have this... The fear of living a life of service for someone who only loves me for what I do for them. That is truly my uh the, the crux of the reasons i hate people or i develop a hatred toward people um not like they, they suck as me it's a fear that i'm going to be saddled with the burden of taking care i think there could be a real reason i don't have kids i'm going to be saddled with the burden of taking care of someone that doesn't love me they don't like spending time with me they don't see me and think god I like that guy. That guy is just a pleasure to be around and I want to have his back. That's what love is for me and that's what I'm looking for in my friendships, in my relationships, in everything I do, even in places I've worked and stuff. I want to have that sort of, that's the guy. When he's around, I feel good. I don't want to have these type of relationships that are like, I'm, I'm guilted. Because I'll tell you what's addicted. What's addictive is guilt. Guilt feels good. You know why? Because someone cares enough to make you feel bad. Uh, and that's when I realized that was kind of embarrassing. I realized I was like, man, why do I keep coming back to these people that make me feel so guilty all the time? And I'm like, oh, it's because they, you know, someone having a very emotional reaction to you, even if it's a way to make you feel bad, still is some sort of significance or something like that, like a dirt like a guilty cocker spaniel you come back to it eventually you have to break it and uh if it's, it's hard because you kind of want to go back to it because you're like man they felt at least they cared but they didn't care because it was really hey i need you for this and as a last dish ever to keep you around i'm gonna make you feel terrible i'm gonna make you feel so bad that's why you see the i mean you see this in like very acute situations where someone's like even in you see like in a breakup, mostly in movies, how often are you watching someone break up with somebody? Uh, but they'll do this thing where they'll first they'll do guilt. They'll be like, well, you did this, you did that. Well, how, how dare you? And then once the person isn't emotionally affected by that guilt, they say, mm, yeah, you might be right. I might have done a lot of things. I may owe you something. I may literally owe you something. I may owe you money. But uh, truth is, it's like, I'm I don't want to be in your life anymore. When someone hits you with that, and they're like, "You may all that may be true, but like the guilt is, uh, yeah, all that's true. 
I'm not going to argue with you. It's all true. But the real truth is, I don't want to be in your life anymore. Once they have that and the guilt has no effect on them, they're unable to shame them and make them feel bad or insignificant, then the person will switch back to have mercy. So it's this like, oh, you're awful, Lisa. You owe me this, you owe that. And then it's a switch to like, please, please stay. Because that's all they have at this point. They can't, they're like, oh, I can't like grab you. They're like, all I can do is say, hey, I'm desperate, which is really hard. But yeah, that's my main fear though. And I've, I've kind of gotten to the bottom of it and it's caused me to be more honest with my friends. And I've realized that most of them, it's been scary because most of them, I've realized, I, I've realized most of them really do like me. And it's, uh, you know, I didn't trust them. I didn't trust that they liked me, that they like spending time with me because I've been more honest with them and they've respected it. And uh, yeah, feel kind of foolish because I think my real fear was I would be honest with people, especially when I'm disappointed or I want to say no or I just like don't want to meet their expectations. And I kind of want to just explain how I feel. Um, the fear would be my friend saying, well, you're not a good guy and we don't want to hang out with you anymore. You're not the guy we thought you were and that's, um, you're kind of selfish or you're kind of uh, afraid, you're kind of a coward. So see ya, see you later. We don't want to be friends, but it's not been the case. Everyone's been like, oh, okay. Thanks for being honest. Thank you for being honest with me. And of course I'm not gonna leave because I love you. Ooh, man, so embarrassing. So I do live in this fear and it causes a lot of, uh, Negative, like negative interactions. Because what I used to do is I'd retaliate with either lying or making them feel bad, or in some way where it's where it's this toxic thing where I'm like I can't be honest. I'd rather like somehow guilt them into saying, "Hey, you should feel bad about like the way you're behaving. You're making me feel bad. I'll make you feel bad, so you'll feel like you've done something wrong." And now it's now you'll, you have to stay because you've wronged me. You've made me feel bad. Now you have to stay. Don't you? You've done something bad. So it's this sort of toxic relationship where you're saying, hey, no, 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 you have to stay. You've wronged me. You owe me one. You owe, don't, you, don't you leave because then you're a bad person. Don't you leave. You owe me one. Rather than just being like, I, this is how I feel, being totally honest because both of you are afraid of losing the other one because then you'll be alone. And it's not even the fact of being alone. I think it's the thought that you can't keep someone. I think it's the lack of control. If someone, especially if someone that's been in your life for a long time and they leave, there's something about that that feels scary because you think that was a long relationship, not like romantic relationship, could be, most of the time it is. But you think, man, that, was, that person was in my life for a long time and now they're gone? Am I not capable of keeping another person in my life? Is everyone sort of disposable and can walk away from me at any point? Oh, that's, it, that's a scary truth to accept. So I think you keep people around with guilt and manipulation just because you don't want to be alone. Because I think there's this idea, if I keep people around with guilt and, and manipulation, that's still keeping them around. You know, I still have the ability to keep people around, even if it's by using toxic means and destroying my life and theirs. Be careful. Be alone. Just be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll have no one. Maybe I'll be deserted. You'll have God with you. 
which I don't, I think God, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, but I need to restart the video. It is, it is interesting. I think that sort of uh, familiarity with yourself and faith that you can handle a situation um, is what God is to a lot of people. So it's this idea, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. But I think that maybe that is God. Um, that Whatever that is to me is that sort of um, stand up for yourself but be compassionate for other people. Um, but, you know, look out for yourself, but look out for other people equally. I think that's totally fair and have faith. It's faith. Have faith that that's going to work for you. Um, have faith that that's going to work for you and any uh, anything else is you know is wrong because it's inflicting pain on others, I think. So I think it's coming back to that essential truth that looking out for yourself, looking out for others will ultimately bring you peace, I think. I think, because otherwise you're just like, how can I make this person feel like shit so they don't leave me and I'm not alone for natural predators to come and eat me. Okay, so, okay, there's a language people speak who have moved beyond the state of being where they are concerned with protecting their ego. Real can recognize real. This was the thought that, is there a state of being? Is there a true sense of peace and uh, lack of ego? To get to a point where you fully understand, you're really like, it's enlightenment. It's true enlightenment on earth where you kind of understand, it's, it's empathy. You literally can empathize with everyone you interact with, right? And it kind of gives you this sense of compassion with everyone and compassion with yourself. Where you, and I, I try to do this all the time, if I get angry with anyone, if I get frustrated, I can just try to look and see what they're experiencing because typically if I'm frustrated with them, it's something I've seen in myself and I've talked about this a thousand times, but something I've seen in myself, if I try to like bring myself to a actual situation in my life where I've been the other person, I've done it. Because that person is just you at a different point in time. And if you don't understand where the person's coming from, that's just you in the future, because you eventually will. Eventually you have an experience where you're behaving negatively and trying to make people feel bad. So is there a level you can get to in your life where you've achieved full peace and you don't have an ego, you're not trying to protect um, your sense of self because you're aware that it's fluid and there's nothing anyone can do to change that um, the way you perceive yourself because you're come to terms with what it is and you're kind of willing to accept any, any and all criticism. Um, and if it's negative, you're willing to change if you don't like it about yourself. You get to that point where just you can tell. You're like, all right, I kind of know what's going on here. I really don't get frustrated because I can really break down everything in my brain to figure out why I'm frustrated. And it can, and it causes you to speak in a certain way. It causes you to speak in a very calm, secure way that is very, you know, you're never going to argue with someone. You're never going to get in a fight. You're never going to get emotional in a negative emotion. You're not going to get like caught up in a negative emotion because you have an understanding. So I do wonder if there is a level of like of that with other people where they can communicate in a way where it's almost like a secret language. When you recognize someone, you're like, oh, this person's been enlightened. They've transcended the, uh, you know, the uh, rat race of protecting an ego and, uh, you know, trying to get to a place of peace using false means. You know, do these people have a secret language who have achieved success 
at uh, true compassion and empathy for themselves and others, can do they recognize? And I thought that what if there's a language people uh, like there's a secret club of these people who they they can recognize it. And once they recognize it with people, because you can't understand it until you understand it. So once they recognize it in someone else, they can they have like some sort of password where they say the password. And if the person doesn't understand, then they're like, okay, well you've been vetted. I know you're at a point you're enlightened. So I'm gonna let you into a secret club and kind of show you, articulate what you've experienced, and talk about it with you with this other group of people who have experienced it as well. Uh, we could bring someone in who hasn't experienced it, but they're never gonna understand it. They're never gonna, you know, they'll, they'll read it, they'll comprehend it, but they'll never understand. But since we've invited you into our group, our secret group, because I had a conversation with you at a gas station, realized even though you slipped and fell, broke your ass on the floor and someone stole your, you know, your wallet and your car keys and ran off to your car and you don't have, any, you know, whatever, and you handled it in a way that was uh, let people know that you uh, understood that that's not a big deal when literally anyone on the earth would be very upset it would just ruin their day. They'd be just, they're sunk. Their body would feel the biological experience of being sad. Uh, they'd be sick. You're sick because your body, your emotions, where do you feel your emotions? You feel your emotions in your heart, in your body. Um, so if you can achieve that from not experiencing it in your body and just looking at a situation abstractly as if it happened to someone else. Um, people recognize that and they have like a secret club and they talk to each other about, I don't know, I'm not in the club. Well, you know, I haven't, I feel like I'm doing well, but I'm not there yet. Um, oh, and this is what, this is kind of like a self this is for me, but I'm done. Like if you, if I don't text you back, cause most people, if anyone's watching, it's probably my dad and a couple friends. I know that like watching the podcast, but if I don't text you back, it's cause I didn't like, I didn't want to. Um, I might've felt guilty about it. I might've felt like, Oh, I should text them back. They cared enough to text me, but if I don't text, but I, I'm not really doing that anymore. If I'm not like excited to text, it might not even be you. It might even be your message. It might be the message you sent. It might be, Hey, how's it going? How have you been? Um, I'm not going to respond to how's it going? How have you been? Um, because I'm not excited by it. Uh, that's not to be like condescending or say that's a bad message. I think most people would read that message and be like, oh, they're checking in. That's very sweet of them. But a, hey, how's it going? How have you been? Or like that type of message for me, I'm, I don't know how to answer. Uh, I don't know how to answer it. I mean, I do, I can think like, oh, I'm doing, I, I work at this company. I've been surfing. I, uh, the YouTube channel's doing well, my basketball channel. Like, I'm not gonna send you a Christmas letter on tech. Like, it's not interesting. If you know me well enough, you can send me a text message that elicits a response from me. And if you don't, then I'm not gonna respond. And that's not to be a diva, but it's to be a diva. I'm a diva, and that's how I treat people now. Camera turned off. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um... Maybe I ran out of battery or something. Uh, I'll just do one more, but I have so many notes. I was on vacation, I was just sending an email to myself 
um, big thread of every thought I had. I've like 42 and I've been through like four of them. So I just want to talk about this really, this one more. And I haven't vetted this one, so it could be very personal. I don't know. Generally, I start to think negatively about people in my life to establish superiority. I think I should be positive. I think I should think positively because it stings. And the truth should sting, but it only stings for so long. So I get angry at people in my life and I get frustrated and I make them into bad people. I make them into bad humans in my head and I get so mad. Or people that aren't in my life, just like a video I watched. I watched a video and I'm like, oh, that guy sucks. Um, and it's usually because I'm denying some sort of truth. Because the real thing is the truth always kind of stings. When I really break it down to why I'm frustrated with someone, a lot of times, it's like the, you know, it's like the I'm afraid of having to take care of someone for the rest of my life and they only want me in their life because I'm taking care of them. That's something that would frustrate me with about a lot of people in my life. But the real thing that stings is I'm afraid. I'm afraid of not having them. And that's the thing that stings. I don't hate these people, they're not bad people, they're just people that are living. They're not trying to be evil, no one's trying to be evil, they're just me at a different point in time. Uh, but I'll do that, I'll make them into the bad guy or the villain, because your brain always wants to think you are right. You always wanna think you're righteous, because you can't live with the idea that you're not righteous or you're doing it wrong like you're the villain and you're trying to make things go your way in your story it's too hard it's too hard to think you're evil and then you want the you want things to go the way you want them to go because you want them to be the right way you know but I think a lot of it is you get frustrated people in your life and you should ask yourself the question well if I'm always so frustrated with these people in my life why are they in my life well, because they have to be. They've been in my life for so long. There's a deep, you know, they're important to me. Okay. Seems like you're mad that you're keeping people in your life that you, they're making you miserable. It's like, well, I have to. It's my brother. It's my mom. It's my, these aren't my, I love my, the least stressful people in my life are my family members. But whoever it is in your life, yeah, but I have to. I have to have them in. I have to. They're, what am I going to do? They'll make me feel really bad if I cut them out. Okay. As bad as you constantly feel now. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's kind of scary. I think a lot of times we just placate people because we're scared of their reaction. We're scared that they might kill us. Potentially. More likely, kill themselves. You know? Um, how many people stay with a guy or girl because they think, hey, maybe they'll be doing self-harm. Maybe they need me or they'll do self-harm. You know, you're afraid of that. Maybe they do self-harm. I don't know. What are you going to do? Live a life of service because you're afraid of them doing self-harm? Maybe you will. Maybe that's the way you want to go. It's not the way I want to go, but some people, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't care. Who am I? Because that's the thing. It's like, it's a feeling of superiority. It's like, I'm here to save people. I don't think I'm here to save people. I don't. I think I used to, but I think it was just a way of me feeling superior to someone else or less bad. Some sort of, I'm on a better playing field. If I'm helping someone else, if I'm their crutch, makes me feel strong. But now I say, I'm not strong. I'm sorry, I'm not strong. You can't hold on to me anymore.
I'm not sure what I am, but I'm not strong enough to, for you to hold on to. Sorry I made you feel like I was strong. I'm not, I'm just gonna find other people that don't need to hold on to me, you know? And part of it's my fault because I let them believe I was strong and I was there to support when I wasn't. Which, you know, I learned. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I learned about myself. I thought, I'm sorry I thought it was uh, good to be positive and stay positive and be supportive and put my needs before others. That's the weird thing. Christ had no boundaries. Or he kind of did, but we're taught that he had no boundaries. And I think that's kind of interesting. Give it all of yourself to other people. Try that for a while. All right. Okay. Bye.